As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Heartbeat of Kitsap, powered by the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to Uplift Kitsap, the virtual Kitsap Business Forum. Our mission is to engage in meaningful dialogue and stimulate thinking with our business community on relevant topics so that collectively we grow a healthy Kitsap economy. I'm Crystal Thomas, so I always forget to introduce myself. And I'd love to do a shout out for our sponsors, West Sound Recording. Rick Cox is on the line. Thank you for recording and putting everything live as podcasts. Our newest sponsor, Wave Broadband, Express Employment Professionals, and of course, the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we are powered by the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce. Kitsap Bank, Fort Madison Enterprises, Olympic College, Imprezi Marketing, B&B Auto Repair, and Panera Bread. We also have partnerships with all of our local chambers and Kitsap Economic Development Alliance. So thank you to everyone, sponsors, partners, and supporters for making this happen. As stated, we are the Kitsap Business Forum, powered by the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce. And for anyone who's new joining us, uh, we normally met in person and through all of this, We came up with our Kitsap Business Forum, and we also had the Heartbeat of Kitsap podcast. So we kind of mushed those together and came up with Uplift Kitsap. So today for our forum, we have um, the Innovators DNA, Breaking New Ground for Groundbreaking Leaders with Brian Lindgren. And for upcoming events, we will have next week on August 11th, our panel discussion continuing the conversation on race. We will have Ken Riley back, Valerie Harris back, and we will be adding uh, James Donaldson to that. We all met yesterday, the team in the panel, and came up with some amazing questions. Uh, very, as Ken Riley says, leaning into, um, sorry, I'm trying to stop sharing, but it won't work. There we go. Um, leaning into some of the uncomfortable questions. So we're going to be doing that. Even as a team and talking about it, we all got a little uncomfortable. Um, some of the questions we're going to talk about defining what racism is, defining differences between white supremacy and white privilege. We know, big topic. Um, some of the big questions that came up from some of our previous participants were, um, how can you be a better ally? to our people of color in our lives? Um, what are some creative ways that we can self-evaluate our biases? So these are things that we're gonna tackle. Also, how do you have conversations with people when you are 
encountering racism and we can create that connection like Ken talked to us about. So join us next week right here on Uplift Kids app on August 11th for that panel discussion and share that out so we can uh, have a really great community discussion and bring people together. I'm going to hand it over to Angela so she can introduce Brian for us and I will see you guys after. All right. Thanks, Crystal. So I have the pleasure of introducing today's speaker, Brian Lindgren, otherwise known as Surf Instructor for the Creative Waves. So Brian is a really um, uplifting and interesting person and I'm so glad that he's here today. He has um, written a book called Above All Else, and it's a book on creativity. So I'm sure he'll be drawing some lessons from that today, but he teaches leaders and organizations how to establish innovation into their everyday lives and processes. So um, as a creative himself, an author, a speaker, a lead at New Life, he's helping people uncover and fully unleash their own creativity. So Brian, thank you for being here and take it away. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for everybody on this call, everybody watching later. It's good to see you. Um, I'm going to share my screen as well. And there we go. I think everyone can see that. Um, I do want to start with a little bit about me. Uh, I grew up in Kitsap County, so kind of homegrown. Um, I went to North Kitsap High School, and so grew up in the area. And I just had a little girl, because this is what you're supposed to do, right? You got to show pictures of your kids. I had a little girl uh, about nine months ago. Her name is Kennedy Sunday. That's a picture of her. She looks just like her mama. Um, this is her, also on a surfboard. But this is the one dad framed, because he just thinks that's really cool. And then right before this quarantine season, we went to Disneyland, and this happened. So that's pretty great, right? Can you see that? She's in like a baby Yoda little, yep. Yeah, so that was also almost cuteness overload. So uh, that's a little bit about my family, who I am. I'm a creative lead. And uh, I, I, I really think for this, our time today, our talk today, I wanted to lean in on creativity and specifically the word innovation. And uh, I think, you know, one of the definitions I've held onto for a long time is this definition that says creativity is thinking something new. Innovation is doing something new. And as we are in a peculiar season um, in our, you know, business spheres, in our cultural sphere, um, in our kind of modern context, I think innovation is one of the most valuable things that we can have as a leader. And uh, it's interesting, IBM did this study recently of 1,500 um, uh, managers and CEOs. And they asked them, what's going to be the, the, the most crucial um, leadership tool for this next season? And the answer is creativity. And I thought that was interesting. One, I think because uh, I'm the type of person who would describe myself as creative. Um, ever since I was a kid, you know, like creativity, that was a positive word for me. I, I, I thought that word was cool. I was like, I want to be more creative. The second reason I thought it was interesting is I think a lot of us or most of us don't think of ourselves as creative. And maybe even it was something that we uh, were told that there's creatives and there's not creatives and there's people who are uncreative. And that maybe even in our leadership, we think there's creative leaders and there's like the not creatives. And maybe we've self-selected ourselves into the not creative category. And uh, I, just, I just wonder if, if that's not the, the way it works. Um, because I think creativity and specifically innovation is something that it's a learned habit. Innovation's in our DNA. And like any muscle, 
um, you can actually build the muscle of creativity and specifically innovation. So thinking new things and doing new things and whatever kind of your context is, whether, um, you know, you're, you're in the medical field, you're a small business owner, um, you're whatever sphere you're in. I think we have the ability to change the game from how we've been playing it in this modern time. And I think that's what people are looking for and specifically customers at the bottom, when it comes to our bottom lines, I think people are looking for something new. They want to experience something new and we have the opportunity to innovate that. So um, I'm going to give you four key principles today, but before we get to all of that, um, I did want to start with this quote because this is a quote that for the last six months, I have a little notebook. It's important to have a notebook, right? Where you put your craziest ideas. You got to have the notebook where you put your practical ideas and you're like, this is probably what I need to, you need a crazy idea notebook. If you don't have one, that's the one takeaway for today. You got to go get yourself a crazy idea notebook. And here's what I do. The bigger I need, the, the crazier ideas I need, the bigger the piece of notebook, I, the page of the notebook I get. My wife knows sometimes when I'm just really needing some big ideas, I go to the Michaels and I get the like, you know, the big pad of paper. Cause I'm like, this is going to have to be a really big idea and I'm going to get a Sharpie. So that was all free by the way. Okay. Um, Edward de Bono says you cannot look in a new direction by looking harder in the same direction. How true is that for us as leaders? Doesn't it feel like that we have an opportunity to look in a new direction? Um, I, I, there's a keystone habit I learned when, um, I was a young adult, I was going in, um, coming out of high school. It was my senior year. And, uh, I had that like list of books that I'd always wanted to read. You probably have the list too. And a lot of them are the classics. You're like, I should read that one day. And some of them are leadership books. And I just kind of had it sitting by my bedstand. I thought, I, I need to read these books someday, but life can get in the way. And uh, my senior year of high school, I decided that I was going to read a book a week. And I thought, man, to do that, I would probably have to give up some stuff in my life. Like there's probably some things I'm doing now that I would have to cut out to be able to read a book a week. And so um, as a 17 year old, I sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote down all the things that were going to be unnecessary for me to commit to reading one book every week. And from my um, spring of my senior year to the end of that summer, I read one book every week. And I read East of Eden and I read Les Miserables and I, I read From Good to Great and all these books that I had always wanted to read, I read all of them over the course of the, this, this. And uh, what I did is it became a keystone habit for the rest of my life. And I still try and read a book a week. And so just with different books, people always ask me like, what's the best leadership book you've ever read? Like, what's your favorite book? What, what's a book you think every leader should read? Okay, so I brought it today because I think this is the most important book that every leader should read. And it's called Watership Down. And if you've read this book, uh, you maybe know that um, it, it's an incredible story of friendship, companionship, but ultimately the leadership it takes to go from point A to point B uh, amongst a series of challenges. And if you haven't read this book, um, you might think, isn't that just the book about rabbits? Um, I've never watched, there are shows and there are movies. When you love a book this much, you don't watch those, do you? <laughs> so I've never seen the movies or shows. I do know that this is a book that's more about um, the human spirit than it's about rabbits. And it's actually interesting, uh, Richard Adams, I love this. He, he actually told these stories to his daughters over the course of their life. And they sat him down like, dad, you have to write these down. And so at some point he wrote all of these stories down that he told his daughters. But it's really about this um, small tribe of rabbits that uh, leaves their warren and goes um, into new territory to, to, to ultimately find a new place, a new home. And isn't it interesting as leaders, there's always a leaving of something old. Um, sometimes it's a job, sometimes it's a way of thinking, it's a mob.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, it's experiences. Sometimes it's just our own self-doubt. Maybe that's just what I experienced, but it's like stuff that we hold on to that we just like, we let it go. And we are always going to face challenges, the unknown and the unexpected on the way. And there's one particular in, in, in moment in this book, and this is why I share this for, for linear thinkers who are like, why is he talking about a book about rabbits? I'm going to bring it home. There's a moment in this book where at, at, towards the first half of the book, they're getting chased by a dog and the rabbits come to the face of a river. And if you've read the book, you'll remember this massive river and there's no way that they could swim across it. They kind of run up and down the side of the river and they realize there's not a way for them to, to, to traverse the river. Um, they take high ground and they can see in the grass line, the, the movements of the dogs getting closer. And uh, maybe you felt like in quarantine in the season, there's something like, it just feels like we're always being chased. Maybe in business, you felt that with the bottom line or customer. It just feels like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And these rabbits, like they have no way forward. And one of them has a vision. And this is what I love is, is as visionaries and as leaders, there's a moment you see something in your head and it doesn't make sense yet. And Richard Adams says that he looks at a plank of wood, the rabbit does, and he turns to his friends and he says, what if we stood on that, but in the water? And the, and the friends kind of, you know, they shake their, their little rabbit heads. And then they all stand there and they look at the river together. And they, they say, I think that might work. And they push the raft out into the river and they float across the river. I share that story because I just believe that as leaders and as innovators and as creatives, we are caught in a, in a moment in time that can feel like there's a lot of pressure, maybe the most pressure we've ever felt, but there is an unexpected way forward. Uh, A.G. Laffley says, innovation is the central job of every leader. And so if creativity is um, thinking something different and... Um, Innovation is doing something different. I wanted to do this today. I wanted to give you um, four practicals of how to do that. And so um, four things that I think you can use as tools in your leadership tool belt um, for innovation, because I believe that innovation is in your DNA. And so the first thing I wrote down is this, is questioning. Now, I think um, as leaders, it's always good to be in the mindset of asking great questions. And um, I think specifically some of us as leaders, we've kind of learned that skill set. But there's two questions I want to focus in specifically when it comes to innovation. The first is what if questions. This is why you need your big dream pad of paper. Ask what if questions. Get into the mindset that's outside the norm of your every day to day to be able to ask the what if questions. So right now, my wife and I are actually, we were in Montana. We drove here yesterday to get away to ask some of those questions. 
I mean, think about just even, so my job, I work in like uh, churches, right? What a crazy sphere to work in during this COVID quarantine thing. Think about the, the powerful what if questions that really matter for people's lives right now and to connect real people and to connect them to, to each other and their stories. And ultimately uh, my faith would say that to, to God. And so we are, we've gotten away. We're sit, I'm sitting on a porch right now just to ask what if questions. Sometimes you need to put yourself in a different space to be able to ask those questions. Does that make sense? Like sometimes sitting in your office, you just won't get there. You actually have to remove yourself from your day to day to put yourself in a place where you're like, I can ask that question. Okay, so all the dreamers on this call right now or listening on the podcast, you're like, yes, those are the questions. Okay, so all of us that maybe we don't lean towards the, the dreaming side, we lean on the operational side. We're like, that's crazy. Like that's not gonna help us move the ball forward. Here's the second question that I think is really important. Why not? Because here's what we'll do. We will either ourselves or somebody else will tell us why our what if questions won't work. I do it to myself. Some of us, we have a coworker who will do it. We have these, we hear these voices in our head, these tapes in our head that tell us that won't work. We need as innovators though, to ask why not? Because the initial solution, the thought we have, the what if question might not be the answer we need, we need to come to, but it's going to start the right model of thinking. Okay, so first is questioning. Second, experimenting. What a time to be alive and try new stuff. Here's the best part about this season as leaders. People have the most grace for us that they've ever had. Like their life is not normal. So we try anything. They're not like, hey, what are you messing up the status quo? Like the status quo is shattered. Like they're not like, you're weird. They're like, that's crazy. So here's one of the things um, that uh, research has shown interviewing um, some of the top innovators like Jeff Bezos is they work every day to break their own status quo. What mode of operating have they put themselves in that they can get outside of so that they can experiment? Now, here's what that might mean is that that might mean the team you lead, the people you lead, you actually need to give them freedom. And, and that means giving them trust, not suspicion, to try new things. Now, here's what happens when we swing from the fence, when we swing for the fences, we miss some pitches. Okay, so we're gonna need to have the flexibility. I would even say the patience to be able to give ourselves and others the opportunity to say, what did you learn? <laughs> Not everything is going to be a success. I would actually say the best stuff usually isn't the first couple of tries. Now, I, for your team, that's really hard when you're saying, well, but Monday we got this, Tuesday, you know, the week by week, the urgency the whirlwind of the urgency can get in the way of that. So find ways to break either, whether it's task forces or um, one of the things I think uh, it was um, IBM did way back in the day is they actually gave one portion of a day. They said, this is your creative time. So that we're going to give you, you know, it was like Thursdays from noon to three, just be creative and inventive. And that's where the post-it note came out of was like, in, in that dream sessions that, they're, that they're, um, their coworkers had. So that would be a solution. But just think, how can you create ways for your people or yourself to experiment? Okay, the third one is this, observation. What worked? What didn't? Having conversations. What are we observing? What are we seeing? And one of the things I think is really interesting about observation, and I've just been learning the leader in the season, but also I've been reading about some of um, the top innovators that they do, reading about like you know Steve Jobs, is observe other people in other fields to learn new lessons. 
So I, I'm holding my hands up because I need to repent of this. Um, who on this call or listening would say you've probably been to all of the conferences ever available for your sphere of leadership, right? You're like, if there's a conference, I'm at it. I probably tend to be that person. I just love to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to go to conferences. Okay, so here's one of the things I've just been learning about great top innovators and leaders is they don't go to the conference for their business circle. They go to other people's conferences. How crazy is that? So instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate agent. I go to a real estate conference. They would say, well, actually, I go to tech conferences because the lessons I'm learning there, I'm, pull, I'm doing associative thinking and I'm pulling into my sphere. Isn't that interesting? So like Steve Jobs, it's why he spent so much time from, with Bono from U2 when he was making the iPod because he's like, I need to think like a musician. I need to think like somebody who's producing music so I can make a great tool to produce music. So this is just a habit I've started to put in my own life is what side, what, what areas of outside thinking outside of my own sphere can I learn from? What leaders are there outside of my sphere that I can meet with and ask interesting questions, ask how they're thinking, how they're problem solving to help get myself out of the status quo bias I don't even know I have, right? Because there's a status quo bias. I'd probably, I'd say, yeah, I got that. There's a larger one we all have that we don't even know we have, right? And so if we can get ourselves further out from the, the little sphere we have, it helps us think um, bigger. And that brings us to the fourth thing. And I think potentially the most important for us as leaders, and I just use this word collaboration. I think the key, and if I had to pick one keystone habit for the for out of all these four for the future, for future oriented leaders, it would be this one. It's collaboration. We need more uh, collaboration in all of our, um, in all of our leadership spheres. When everyone wants to call, say yes. We, we need more collaboration with each other. I mean, think about even just the isolation we feel in quarantine. How good is it that we have this as a resource? How amazing is it that we get a, you know, we're not sitting here in a room together seeing body language and that's so good. But just even the, the fact that we can see each other's eyes and we can nod and kind of know that we're in the trenches together. How important is that? Collaboration in your own organization or business. How can you disrupt your current model for more collaboration? Where are there voices that have been unheard that you can elevate in this time of crisis to say, I, I, I want to I create spaces for you to be heard? Where is there, I'm going to use the word cross-functional leaders that maybe are in dis different departments or maybe uh, you know, are in different areas that you say, like, I think we need to have a collaborative sphere for creativity. And so my, uh, the, the last thing is, I, I think, just beyond your, beyond your own business organization, who are other businesses or other organizations that you can say like, hey, we, we can partner together in this season to learn from each other. Maybe outside of even this call that you'd say like, hey, there's two or three of us and we get coffee monthly just to be able to collaborate, hear great ideas, you know, cross-functional behavior to be able to learn from each other. So um, here's what I, I've, I've been learning and have learned about innovation. And as we start to build this, you know, it's in our DNA, we're building this muscle, right? Is that it's probably not 2020 when you'll see the most fruit or impact. But if we learn these keystone habits and we apply them to our organizations and we apply these to our staff and our team members, um, I, I just believe that in the next five years, we'll see the, the most impact we've ever seen. That as leaders, um, we will attract innovative people, that creative 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. People who are naturally gifted at creativity will be drawn to be a part of our teams and our staff. And so um, I really, you know, I was, I was, I've been working on this talk. I've been thinking about it. I actually took a full day just to make sure like this was exactly the, I just was thinking about this group and I was like, man, I want to make sure this is exactly the right step. And so as I was thinking about just the practicals for you, um, I would say one thing that, you know, I've learned is find people in my life who are doing what I want to do and sit down with them and ask them great questions. So a practical next step I think of is who's somebody you know who's already future thinking, creative, maybe you say innovative, that you could sit down with and just say, hey, I've been watching you. I see the way you innovate. Would you help me think about how I can innovate in my area? So that's one of the, the learned behaviors I, I've tried to learn as a leader is to ask those kind of tough questions. And also like um, sometimes I, I forget to tell great leaders that I um, have learned from them and watch them from afar. And I think sometimes isn't good, us good, isn't it good for us just to encourage each other that way? Don't we need to hear that? I know I need to hear that. And so I just think if we can practice that, how great to even have a spirit of encouragement for each other to be able to, to, to hear that. So I want to do this. I want to um, open it up for questions. Uh, I'm not an expert on innovation, but I think it's good for us to um, have a moment to ask questions and be able to kind of dialogue this together. If that's okay, maybe if you're comfortable putting some questions in the chat or um, potentially unmuting yourself and asking questions, would love to kind of open it up for a Q&A. I loved what you had to say. I was frantically writing some notes. Over the weekend, I read a book by Walter Bond called Swim, which is just a short book, um, kind of like a who moved my cheese kind of thing. And I was thinking about it because he talked about sharks and sucker fish and the sucker fish attach themselves to sharks like mentors. And I'm like, who are the sharks in my life that I need to um, collaborate with, have these conversations with, because they're doing the things I want to be doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm at my wits end as a small business owner. How do, how do I even move myself forward? How do I even innovate right now? And I need to find some of those sharks who are doing what I want to be doing. Any, that is any so, advice that's so, I love that. 
I love that. I love the metaphor of sharks and suckerfish too. One of the things, so I, I don't know if this is a, a practical for everyone on the call. I've just noticed this. So one of the things I've learned in quarantine is the people I look up to that I don't know. So maybe I follow them on Facebook. Maybe they, you know, they have that little verified sign on Twitter. Some of them I've reached out to and just said like, Hey, I have this question. Would you answer it? And it's crazy how many of them have responded. I just think people are like just sitting at home. So maybe there's somebody you follow that's like actually written a great book and you're like, I've had this book forever. I love it. How cool to send them a message and just say like, hey, I've been thinking about this question. Now, the, what's the worst thing that would happen? They don't respond. <laughs> so that's just another, another, another thought too. Some of them you know, some of them you might know, but you're just like, hey, you, I've really loved the work you've done. How would you think about this like practical next step I have in my Keep going. Let's just, uh, I want to hear any other questions or things you're thinking about? So I was in a, a, a little training um, today. It was about educators and, and, and teaching and whatnot and how we um, can bring creativity into the classroom because it is part of every discipline, not just the arts. But what was an interesting statement that came out of that is that creativity is a better predictor of lifetime achievement than any of your scores and metrics that we might use. So um, that was kind of, kind of fascinating and, and just getting to the point of how that creativity adds value in the workplace, one side of the coin, but the other side of the coin is that people are happier in their jobs. So there's a win-win there. It's really good. It's really good. If, if, you, if you're also out there and you're just like, I, I love to read, Brian, the rabbit book looked fine. Can you actually give me a real business practical leadership book on creativity? Um, another great read is Creativity Inc. Um, by, oh, geez, uh, Ed Catmull. Ed Catmull. He started Pixar. So if you're familiar with Pixar, their story, Ed Catmull wrote a book on his leadership principles that have taken Pixar from who they were and then his time with um, Apple because he worked, Pixar and Apple worked really close and then his time ultimately with Disney. So he now runs, I think, Disney um, Studios and Pixar kind of simultaneously. So he also talks about how to run two creative enterprises with different cultures, which is really interesting. It's also a fun book because like, it's all the Pixar story. So at one point they actually lost all of the work they had done on Toy Story 2. And then they have to like, there's one woman who's on maternity leave and she has it on her computer at home. And so they have to like wrap the computer in blankets and like drive it into the offices. And it's a great book. So if you're looking for another read, that's another great one, great one on innovation. Brian, I have a question for you. Um, so um, for those of us on the call who are We'll have a more like a bent toward creativity, um, you know, sitting down with a big pad and, you know, getting some ideas on paper or um, coming up with new ideas can be easy. But for others of us who maybe don't have a bent toward creativity, if we look at that big giant pad of paper and all we see is a big white blank pad of paper. <laughs> Are there um, prompts that you use or like, how do you, how do you start? You know, if you don't know where to start and all you have is a big white pad of paper in front of you. What are some things that you can do to challenge yourself to get some creative stuff going? That's really good. Um, one of the things I've been learning, so this is maybe, uh, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to go 
off on a little tangent because you guys can already tell that's just what I do. And then I'm going to bring us back. One of the things I've been reading is how important it is for our brains when we think creatively to go outside of the sphere of, the, of, of what we're thinking about. And so, you know, when you think about a lot of times we think linearly, like if I answer this question, it'll make me more creative. But it's why there's the, the, the adage or the cliche of coming up with a new idea in the shower, because our brain just gets outside of the norm to be able to think of something new. So I'm going to give you an answer, Amy, and, and I think it's a good answer. And you're going to be like, that wasn't what I was looking for. But I think this is what I've learned, and this is what I do, and this is what I coach others to do. So um, three things. One, go for great walks. Honestly, if like I'm a runner, so like that's where I get my time, but a great walk just for what your brain can do creatively, it helps a lot. So I think, you know, isn't it crazy the way our brain and our body are all kind of put together and the way that outputs and generates ideas is really interesting. And so if you're, if you're like, man, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm just pounding at this white piece of paper, get up, go for a walk. And I've just found that that helps me get into a new space creatively. Okay, the second one, there's actually some data and I can find the articles and I can try and send them out or you could just, I guess, believe me. There's a bunch of data on how um, reading, reading fiction, poetry, anything that's outside of your Wall Street Journal leadership books does a ton for the neural pathways in your brain and creativity. So some of you that are like, oh my gosh, poetry, like, please don't make me. Um, find something that's close. There's something out. I mean, go to Barnes and Noble, find something that you're like, okay, this would at least get me started. I mean, it's really interesting, even just as for us business people on this call. There's a ton of data that reading fiction helps us remember names and faces because we have to make them up in our head. So if you're like, I'm not a name, I used to not be a name person. Reading fiction actually helps us remember people's names because when you get back to your book in the evening or in the morning, you have to remember all of the characters' names. So there's a lot of data there. And then uh, the third one, I think, Amy, is, is just getting, um, if, you, if you have a notebook and you're just looking at a, a, a blank piece of paper, is start with stream of conscious. Just start writing. There's something that happens with the brain and your hand and your pen. When you start writing, sometimes the creative juices start, start flowing. And so what I do is I, I write or start getting something um, generated, that engine going, even when I don't have something. And I'll even write thinking, I might, it might not be this session that I get something great, but I'm going to write. Also, there's a lot of data that typing doesn't get you there, but the actual handwriting is what helps generate the creative um, neur neurons. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I try, I try my best. Does that help, Amy? Oh, yes. I, I love those. One, well, I can totally relate to, um, you know, getting your body moving or even getting yourself out of your space and coming up with something new as a result. I think maybe that's why we're, we're so good when we come back from vacation. You know, you've gotten out, you've, got, you've done something active, you've gotten out of your normal spaces, and you come back and you're fresh and ready with new ideas. Yeah. And I think, you know, people, you hear about people who, you know, they set their alarm at certain points a day and they get up and they walk around and the value of that. And I just think yeah. um, we, we second guess sometimes um, the ability of getting out of our space. I read one time that um, every time you walk through a doorway, it resets your brain. <laughs> That's why we walk in our rooms. We can't remember what, why we went into it is because our brain just has a little reset. And so sometimes just, you know, you, that's why the water cooler has like the stigma it does it's because just even walking into the water cooler, that image of just moving helps kind of reset some, some wires in your brain. So if you're looking to be creative, get, getting out of that desk or in quarantine, that couch um, does help. Great so blame question. it on the doorway. Blame it on the doorway. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I always. If anyone wants Any to get out of space and come paint my deck, it's very meditative. You could have some creative ideas, and I would really appreciate that. 
kind of a Tom Sawyer approach there. It's like, hey, this is super fun and innovative. Yeah. That's great. Hey, Brian, could you talk about, um, since collaboration is such a, an important skill, um, can you talk about how to create safe spaces yes, that's huge. for productive collaboration? Yeah, a couple things. Um, so my team has, a, has two rules that we use. Um, one is we, uh, we just say, leave your ego at the door. <laughs> for creatives, it's actually like a big one. You know, we're producing stuff, so leave your ego at the door. And then um, this, the second one is we say it's um, always, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, we want to trust others over suspicion. So trust over suspicion. So it's easy to lead with suspicion where I am. Um, I, I don't believe the best in you. I think that you are competing. I, um, I want to think that my idea is better or I just think that you are manipulating me in some way. It's easy as me as a, for me as a leader to fall into that trap. So we always say, one, you're, you've left your ego at the door. And then two, um, you know, I want to lead with some trust over suspicion. Now that's with a team that I lead. I don't get to do that with my peers. Right. So I just try to operate myself in a way that, um, that says like when I'm in a meeting, I try and elevate others voices. I try and listen. Well, I try and collaborate with their ideas, ask questions about their ideas. And then ultimately, um, you know, I always try and leave my own ego at the door that the best product's going to win. <laughs> So I'm in a highly energized environment, um, lots of loud voices in every meeting. That's kind of, um, it's, it's, it's uh, exciting and it's fresh and there's new ideas, but sometimes maybe you're in this environment too, it can feel like the loudest person in the room is the winner. So I try and always just maybe as, or I've learned this as a leader, be observant for who's not talking. And sometimes just even saying like, hey, I haven't heard from so-and-so yet. Just curious. Oh, that is a great idea. Elevating other people's ideas. There was a, a videographer on my team who, when quarantine started, was noticing that because, you know, we, I work at a church. We do a lot of communicating to people, right? That's like kind of our, that's our big ticket, right? That's our one thing. It's like there's a communication to people. And so we had to move so much of what our communication to people from in-person experiences to online experiences like you did as well. And we were noticing this, that either generationally or just maybe you were bent a certain creative way. Some people's videos that they were shooting at their home, even in meetings, were really good. They kind of had natural light. You could see their face. You could see their eyes. They were recording a, a content. You could hear them. Um, there were others <laughs> that were challenged by um, using the in-home camera uh, you know, f filming. And so I don't know if you guys have experienced that on any of your Zoom calls, but you know, like we can't see you, we can't hear you. It's very, your face is way too close. You're way too far away. So I got this videographer on my team and he just goes, I, I, I had this idea. I, I'm thinking about filming myself in my living room and creating a how-to tutorial just with some really simple, basic, you know, anyone could do it with their laptop just to kind of help people be able to communicate well in our zoom meetings, but also that's, you know, we're sending this out to people. So he creates this video. You know, I, I said to him, I think that is a great idea. And here's where it ties into collaboration. I could have said like, uh, not worth your time. I could have said, uh, I've got a better idea. Why don't we just tell everybody who's doing it poorly? They should do a better job. I, I felt like, you know, like, let's take this. <laughs> I could have done that. Let's take this idea. Let's work it out as a team. Let's talk. So the team got together. We, 
oh, what a great idea. What if we did it this way? He gets at home, he sets up a camera, the same camera everybody has on their phone. You know, really simple. He makes this video. Okay, so this thing ends up going out to the um, Kitsap County School District to help all teachers be able to film their, their self for their classrooms. And I just thought, how cool is it because we collaborated and a spirit of collaboration? I'm not telling the story because like, I'm a great leader. I'm just saying like, there is a spirit of collaboration there. We work together. And because of that, we got to see a great product. And ultimately my heart as a leader is like great products win. So I, I don't want to look like the hero. I don't, you know, I don't even think he wanted to look like the hero. I think we really wanted to help our team. And ultimately we got to help the whole school district. So I think when we look at the end goal and just say, I think we all have the end, same end goal. Let's work together well and trust each other and not be suspicious of each other. We do better. Does that help? Yeah, other- it does. Um, uh, uh, the one angle that I, I didn't, you kind of touched on which i'd love for you to expand on as well is just that that um allow how do you create the space to allow others um well i love that trust over suspicion but um i guess drawing those people out you know where where they go oh i feel safe enough to express you know and in kids at business forum we actually have a really great community of people that we work with and we feel comfortable that we can express opinions and thoughts and you know that kind of thing and even though it's slower at times to get to end result we feel stronger as a team i believe by doing so and um just if you had any thoughts on how how to do that as well and i guess that you kind of did over trust over suspicion yeah. and elevating well, and ideas. I think, you know, I, there's a couple i just even think of um we probably all fall somewhere on that there's that introvert extrovert scale so we all fall somewhere in that um you know we the we probably everyone on this call has taken a million of those you know strength finders any grant i mean there's so many so learning learning our individual strengths and the people around us is really valuable because then we can get a little bit of a perspective sitting in a meeting with them or starting to kind of get the, get the tone of the room i think for me specifically it is atmosphere so i try and read just read the room so as a leader and you know if i'm leading the meeting or even if i'm just participating is is reading the room for how people's people's body language will tell you a lot <laughs> and even on zoom you can tell can't you like uh, and I'm, you know, not on this Zoom, but on, like, on the Zoom calls you're leading, you know, camera off or things like that. You're like, okay, I'm not sure this person feels like either their voice is being heard or so um, I try and read the room. And then the second thing is I just know my team members who um, they, they're going to hold their cards to the last hand. And so I always end a meeting. This is a trick I learned from a great leader. I always end a meeting by saying, hey, there's 15% you haven't said. Let's do our final 15 Usually that's the place where um, I will sometimes give direction to people who I feel like they got their point across, like so-and-so, we love it. We've heard it. I actually want to hear from Dave, Dave, your final 15%. Um, I try and use that as a tool to work out some of the creative ideas that people sit on because they're either intimidated they're not sure it's a good idea. Or honestly, like there was just an energy flow that they felt like went a different direction and they, you know, were left kind of in, waiting in the background. Uh, there's another tool I've tried a couple, I've used a couple times. This is a tool that Amazon uses and uh, it's, it's fun if you have the right 
if you have the right team and the right level of trust, this can be a really fun tool. I've used this on one days or getaway experiences where you're kind of like, we're all huddled in here. There's coffee. We're going to be in here for two or three hours is they call it red team, blue team. And if you're looking to, to take an idea to a next level or, or think about like, will an idea work? You actually create a task force to shoot the idea down. And you want people on that task force who aren't necessarily the ones who think it's a bad idea. You want to create a task force that is going to be opponent to another task force. And one team's job is just to say, where are the holes? Tell us why this is a bad idea. The other team's job is to think creatively, how do we defend this idea that it is the right idea? And this is exactly where our team needs to go. That I've used as a tool before just because it, it puts people who are normally quiet in new you know, they're almost play acting a little bit and it helps get ideas flowing in a new way. So that's another tool, but the last 15% uh, always helps end us on a note where people's voices are heard. Great question. I think it's that business forum team needs to do the red, green, red team, blue team for our next retreat. So fun. So it's so fun to be on the team where you're like fighting against the idea you believe in. Cause then you think about it in a new way and you're like, no, we shouldn't do that. Even though I know we should. Any final questions? It's such an honor to be here with you guys today and everyone, you know, who's listening on the podcast and it's just great to get to talk about innovation. I think, um, you know, obviously I'm passionate about it, but it is going to be one of the keystone habits that we develop. And, um, over the course of the next 10 years, um, I'd use the language because I work in the church. I, my prayer, but my hope, my dream is that our businesses are more innovative, that people move here because it's such an innovative area, that the school system, our teachers feel supported because our kids are creative and that we ultimately get to invest that into our community. So that's my heart. Thank you, Brian. That was fantastic. I got so much great stuff and I loved how it tied into the book that I just read this weekend. So I'm still looking for my sharks. I really, really appreciate having all of you here and appreciate the team for bringing so many great speakers week after week. This is, this is like my favorite day of the week because we're all here together and the things that I've learned during this time. Um, again, join us next week on, on the 11th, three o'clock. Registration is open on Zoom and we'll be getting bios and all that fun stuff out but we'll have Ken Riley, Val Harris back, and then also adding James Donaldson to our panel to really get into and lean in to the tough questions on racism. You can check out all of our previous podcasts on the heartbeat of and all registration for any of our events is up on kitsapbusinessforum.com. So come check us out and we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for listening to the Heartbeat of Kitsap with Silverdale Chamber of Commerce. If you like our show, you want to know more, check us out at silverdalechamber.com or kitsapbusinessforum.com. And please leave us a review on Apple Radio. Until next time, have a productive day.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 